1: slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
2: Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and you are listening to the Talking Metal podcast. Today's guest, Lee Aaron, the metal queen, whose album is about to come out. So go support her, download her new record, and stay tuned for my exclusive interview with, well, not exclusive, I'm sure plenty of people have interviewed her, but my interview, Mark Striegel's interview, Talking Metal's interview with Lee Aaron, and hanging with me tonight in midtown Manhattan, the one and only John Astronomy. John, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for doing the great interview with Lee Aaron. I remember her from a great photo on Kerrang! Magazine. One of the covers. Might might have been the back or the inside back cover, but it was a cool photo, and I always remembered that. Metal Queen. Anyway, we're down in the 30s, very close to where I was originally from, and that means my second apartment. you remember that place, 90s, 32nd Street? Absolutely. Many a, many a late nights. One of my, my most vivid memories of
2: that apartment is hanging with you and Sean Burns and I think Terry Kayamori watching the OJ Chase on the TV uh, live. And they had cut into the Knicks game or, or some basketball game, and we were watching that live in that apartment. I vividly remember that.
0: Absolutely. And I told that same story at work the other day. And guys, guess what? You guys are watching that show on, what channel is that new OJ show on? Uh, FX, I think, yes. FX, you you are correct. It is FX. And we were there live, the Talking Metal crew, plus Terry Kayamori and Sean Burns of Roy's Baby, one of the greatest bands that ever hit Jersey, ever hit the Orpheus. (laughs) Yeah, a little inside talk there,
2: but... Roy's Baby was a band that, that John and I had pre-Captain T, and I have some of those songs that we've really we've never thrown them out there on YouTube or in the digital format at all. And they're quite good, and we should do that someday, and and maybe we'll even play one on the podcast uh, soon.
0: Let me tell you, I was watching the Orpheus gig. Now that was a former venue. In New Jersey, uh, I believe it was like Willow Avenue and maybe 14th Street, that area. And we did a song that I had done. It was like we had done two songs that weren't some of the songs that you might have heard that Mark and I have done before. One of them, I wasn't even sure what the title was, but it was really cool. So I went back and some of this stuff is available on YouTube and watched these again, Mark. Thank you for posting them. Tell these guys a little bit about it. Yeah, well, one thing we did
2: that night at the Orpheus in, like, the the mid-'90s was we we covered Ace Fraley's Hard Times. Uh, and you know what? I'll post that in today's show notes. If you want to see a young John and a young Mark playing the Kiss song Hard Times, we will post that in today's show notes. But, yeah, we John and I have done a lot of music through the years, and, We keep saying we gotta get back at it and do some more stuff And hopefully one day soon we will It would be nice to bring back the Talking Metal Jams too Uh, We haven't done one since 2012 So we should bring those back too But uh, yeah, we have a, a long musical history And speaking of long musical history Lee Aaron has a long musical history And we're gonna hear some of that tonight Why don't we get into right now The Metal Queen song by the Metal Queen Lee Aaron, this is going way back, way back to the 1980s. Again, Lee Aaron, Metal Queen, here on Talking Metal.
0: was Metal Queen by Lee Aaron right here on Chalky Metal hanging with Mark Striegel. We're eating. We're hanging out. New York City, the Midtown area, the 30s.
2: Right on. And let's keep the music going. Sounds so good. Why not? Stay tuned for my interview with Lee Aaron, but right now, Can I Play With Madness by Iron Maiden.
3: Can I play we
0: That was Iron Maiden, Can I Play With Madness, one of my favorite bands, one of the bands that I've seen more than any other band. If you collect my ticket stubs, I have more Iron Maiden ticket stubs than any other band other than Ace or Kiss, of course.
2: Speaking of Iron Maiden, stay tuned because Lee Aaron has a great Iron Maiden story in this interview. Uh, There is a website that claims she toured with Iron Maiden, she didn't. She's going to clarify that on the on the podcast. But she does share a great story about Bruce Dickinson, and I believe it's Steve Harris. So stay tuned to hear that.
0: Now, Mark, why don't we get directly into your interview with Lee Aaron, Then we'll come back and we'll play a little more music and we'll talk a little bit more. Hey, this is
2: Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal podcast, and I'm honored to have on the line Lee Aaron. Lee, it's great to speak with you. We haven't had you on the show yet. And, uh, boy, I remember as a teenager seeing your pictures in the magazine and uh, just hearing your music back in the Metal Queen days. And and, uh, it's just a real honor to speak with you after all these years.
4: (laughs) Well, there you go. I guess there's, you know, we have synchronicity now or something. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, you know, you have had a massive career and a lot of uh, you've gone down a lot of different roads and and you are musically that is and you're you're coming back now in 2012 after after a long break your last record of new material was back in 2004 Um, what can we expect with the new record which is called fire and gasoline and will be released in just a couple weeks March 25th Uh, musically what can we expect with fire and gasoline
4: well it's it's interesting because I find it sometimes hard to be completely objective because it's it's me, right? It's my stuff. Right. But um you know, overall, I mean it's a straight ahead it's a it's like a I wouldn't say classic rock in the traditional sense of classic rock. It's it's a it's a rock album. It's a traditional sounding rock album with modern elements to it. It um <clears throat> because you know, musically
2: you've done you've done metal you've done hard rock you've done rock you've done pop you've done jazz there's you've just been you know really uh you, you're obviously very open to a lot of different styles of music so so you're this one you're saying is probably more classic rock
4: it's more straight ahead it's straight ahead rock it's a right. rock album with pop elements i mean i mean i'm you know for me um you know I've I've always been one of the main songwriter of my material. And, uh, you know, to me, crafting great songs is about crafting something that people can connect with right. and that people are inspired to move their body to and to sing along with. And uh, so I'm always trying to bring those elements of, you know, song craftsmanship into what I do. And I think as well, because even those, you know, Deviations slightly this way and that way in style for me. Um, uh, it's the consistent thread has been my writing style and my voice, and so yeah, this album definitely is a return to rock. Um, but you know, you're gonna see there's like someone was um speaking to me about this a couple of days ago. There's like you know, you see little elements of. Of, of of blues riffs creep in there, and you see little. There's pop overtones to some of this the material, um, and uh, you know I th- I think you can hear all of my influences on throughout the years on this record. But it definitely is a you know a hard driving straight ahead rock record um, in the oh. classic sense with like I said some modern elements. Um, it's definitely not. Uh, like like most, a couple of my most successful records, especially here in Canada, were um, an album called Body Rock and an album called uh, Some Girls Do right. in uh, '89 and early '90s. And they were again straight-ahead rock, but more in a corporate rock, you know, '80s corporate rock kind of sound. This album is definitely not a rehash of that sound. Okay. Um, but you're you're gonna you're gonna hear some elements of that on it. Um, you know, for me that it was. The the songs were the most important thing.
2: Absolutely, on this album, but
4: they were good songs.
2: Yeah, and we we've heard the first single, which sounds great, "Tomboy," and there's a, a cool music video out for that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the music video. Um, can you tell us who's in the video with you, and and a little bit about the the video shoot and the story behind the video?
4: Sure. Um, well, the story behind the song actually is my daughter had approached me and said hey mom you know are you gonna write me a song you because you know for a few for a few months you know it was me being completely distracted head down on, with that the piano or the the guitar and in, in my project studio here and uh you know them going what is you know what is mom cooking down there right? right and um so she was asking me and i'm like yeah 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 okay sure i'll write you a song and uh you know it occurred to me a couple of days later you know I you can't lie to your child you have to you know i'm gonna to have to follow through on this i'm gonna to have to write a song and uh you know what i was really inspired by was that real unpretentious unself conscious energy that preteen those that those 10 year old girls they're they're totally comfortable in their own skin they're they're not caught up caught up in the you know the trappings of beauty culture that our media foists upon them yet right. and <clears throat> They've just got this great energy, and they're they're totally comfortable to be just be in your face and to be who they are, and then teenagerhood happens, and you know what, the, you know that's a totally different ballgame. Sure. Um, and that even carries into you, you know, your twenties and thirties. I think as a woman, because you, um, you know, you're very, uh, you can be. How do I explain it? like, you know, our the, the the culture that we live in, you know, just pushes this, you know, photoshopped perfect ideal on women. Um, but then you get, you know, a more mature, you know, such as myself, and you don't then you start not caring anymore, really, what yeah. anyone thinks. And uh so in a weird way, my daughter and I were kind of in the same place. <laughs> so um the song Tomboys, you know, as it evolved through the writing process is supposed to be really just a song of empowerment for anyone. Who's ever felt um that they had to conform to a stereotype a religious or societal or you know parental stereotype that wasn't comfortable for them? It's about being able to be free who you are to be who you are without judgment and uh and when it came time to the video shoot, it just seemed like a logical choice to bring my daughter into it and um her and uh, some of her school friends. I thought, you know, why, what a concept. My band will be, the backing band will be tomboys, actual tomboys from our neighborhood. Yeah. And so these these girls were amazing, man. They just, they came in and we had like a few hours of rehearsal. They'd never sat behind a drum kit or picked up an instrument before. And they, it was amazing how well they faked it. <laughs>
2: yeah no it's a it's a fun watch and we'll definitely have it linked in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com again it's a tomboy the first video and single off the new lee aaron record which is called fire and gasoline and we'll have the link up where you can pre-order the full record also in the show notes on talkingmetal.com um so lee you're you're obviously a mom you have one daughter or you have more kids is just one daughter
4: I have a an 11-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. Okay. Yeah. So so yeah.
2: their age, you know, uh, is they're both very young and uh, you know, you really haven't done any music I would say since they've been born, right? Cuz 2004 was the the last record you put out at least. So are they aware of of mom as a musician and a performer and a rocker? Um well
4: I'll preface that by saying, yes, two thousand four was actually the year my daughter was born. So yes, okay. I've taken a somewhat of a hiatus from recording because of the incredible amount of intensity and energy that it requires to write and record a whole project of, of an album, right? But um in terms of do they do they kind of get it? Um, yeah, to some degree. Um probably yeah. more so now than when they were really little. I mean the reality is Mark, having children in general, it's a, it's an incredibly humbling experience. You're just the lady that makes the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, yeah, right, <laughs> really, right, yeah. in the end. And I know that my son especially was most taken aback when um, it was about a year ago there's there's a big new shopping mall here, and inside that shopping mall opened up a gigantic Lego store. And we we're at the Lego store, and of course there's this like, you know, 45 year old geeky guy who still yeah. loves Lego working behind the counter. And we get up there to buy something for my son, and he's just like, "Oh my god, Lee Aaron!" Oh wow. <laughs> like, my son's going, why does the guy who works in the Lego store know who you are, Mom? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then he got some free Lego. So my son was like, oh. okay, you know. Perks. So <laughs> he, he was pretty pretty stoked about the idea that he might get – all he cared about was getting the free Lego. He could care less that his mom is a musician. <laughs> right,
2: right. Well, that, that's probably pretty typical of, of uh, most kids and their parents. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so.
2: So I, I wanted to go back in time a little sure. bit. Um back into the the 80s uh, when you first became known to teenage metalheads uh, around the world and and looking back at that time you know now in, in in rock and in metal and you know really all all types of music there are there are so many female front ladies and vocalists and and the the, the female is a lot more prominent in the in the music industry than she was at that time, especially in in hard rock. And and can you talk about being a female in the 80s hard rock and metal scene? Was it uh, hard to be taken seriously? Or was it uh, a good, you know, what were some of the pros and cons to, to being a female back in that scene?
4: Well, the pros were that, There was really only a handful of us doing it. Me, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, Daryl Pesh, Girl School, and I think a British band called Rock Goddess. There was literally a handful of us actually doing it and doing it well, right? Yeah. Um, So...
2: I forgot about Rock but, Goddess. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
4: You know what? I, it's funny because I was talking to a British journalist about this yesterday. Um, because yeah, that was one of my first British jams. I went and got got schnopped at a pub with those girls, and we oh, okay. went back to their rehearsal space, and, <laughs> yeah. and I was playing drums. Believe it or not, that wow. night. But anyway, um, so so that was the, the those were the pros. You know, um, you got noticed. And that was, that was good. However, there was always this sort of overriding feeling that, um, perhaps you were maybe just a novelty, Yeah. you know, because you were a a woman and, um, and with the, some of the popularity of that, what ended up happening a couple of years, you know, down the road was that a lot more female sort of, rock fronted bands were cropping up but they weren't necessarily women that wrote their own songs and uh, do you know what i'm saying and so yeah well even like in
2: vixen their biggest song was richard marx wrote it you know and, and yeah but yeah i hear what you're saying
4: and so there was artistry if i can say that got kind of sucked out of it and you know and that was sort of you know symptomatic of what was going on with this the corporate record industry in the 80s anyway was that um you know there was a lot of money to to be invested and in, thrown around and so you know there was a little bit of that you know band creation happening where you know well we've got this band and we've got this good-looking girl and she can sing and let's put them together and let's find some songs and so that that kind of um I think, watered down a bit of the, the purity of it, if that makes any right. sense.
2: Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, the the fashions of the 80s, which, you know, I, I look back at, at, at the pictures of, of the outfits now and, and uh, you know, I'm really – tickled by them and and miss them in a way how how do you how do you look back on some of those fashions that you definitely embraced on on you know in some of the photo shoots for crying magazine and all the rest
4: (laughs) we're talking about fashion now yes okay Okay. um you're the first person who's asked me about that so uh You know, what can I say? It was timely. And I've said this many times. It's timely as opposed to time less. Um, You know, I look back and I kind of laugh because, you know, I I had the big hair and I, uh, um, you know, I did my cool pink leather jackets and things like that. But, you know, the, the spandex and the scarves and the whole, you know, it was it it was what was fashionable at that time and that's what everybody was doing and uh you know we all had the the big bangs and the ice myth going on I I I kind of look at back at it with a bit of um you know some affection I would never you wouldn't catch me dead wearing something like that now but (laughs) but you know um it sort of represented you know in a nostalgic way you know an era in time that We'll never get back again, you know. Right. And now apparently it's it's actually kitschy to do the '80s, right? <clears throat> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you can go into like an Urban Outfitters, and they're <laughs> they're selling some of that stuff again, and people are buying so, it. So,
4: well, totally. So, well, it's, it comes full circle, right? That's right what happens. On. definitely. Psychical.
2: Now, you, now back back in those times, you played uh, many many shows, but I specifically wanted to ask you about the. Times the concerts that you shared the stage with Iron Maiden. Uh, any memories of of playing with Maiden? Any good stories that you could share?
4: Um. Well, uh, all I can tell you was um, we were playing a uh, my one of course big experience with them is that we were playing um, a nightclub in New York called Lamour, and um, in Brooklyn. Okay, And they were, I think they were in town recording the Power Slave album. And I don't know how they had heard about us because I didn't really have, um, like I didn't have an official release in the States. We had sold quite a few albums as an import through a little independent record store um, in New Jersey there. And they got wind that we were playing and it was a, a packed evening and they came down and... The next thing you know, you know, I'm on stage and someone, one of my crew comes up and says, you know, Iron Maiden is here and, and, and Steve and Bruce want to get up and jam. And I'm, I was, I was, I don't know, 21 years old or something like that. So this was, this was absolutely mind blowing for me. I'm like, these guys were like you know rock idols to me and so yeah they got up and they jammed a couple of songs at the end of our set and um, what I remember most was just watching Bruce sing and the veins popping out of his neck and just being just enamored by the 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 how the control of his pitch that he had and just the power in that incredible voice you know and um and then we we had, you know, uh, we spent quite a few hours after just hanging out and talking to them in the dressing room. And, and you know, I remember at that time really connecting with Bruce and going, wow, like he's just a really down to earth, intelligent man as well. And so it was just a, w- one of those, um, you know, I've met many rock stars throughout the course of my career. And some of them went, some of the meetings weren't as um you know, my where, my where my I was disappointed by my okay. idols, right? But this yeah. certainly wasn't one of those circumstances. I was, I was more endeared to them after that. They were right. just great guys,
2: right on. And did you go on tour with them then at all? Were you opening? No, up? no, okay.
4: No, I think that's a bit of a maybe an urban legend. <laughs> okay,
2: okay, but there was a time at Lamours in in New York where they got up on stage and jammed with you. Do you remember what songs you guys did? Oh boy covers i'm guessing
4: i think yeah i think we actually did tush by zz top that sticks in my head and probably i think we did rock and roll by zeppelin so yeah we did we did covers because they were common you know common songs we both knew
2: right on cool and what about, let's kind of circle around to modern times again and talk about Fire and Gasoline. What about the the musicians playing on the record with you? Is there a, a set band for the record and, and potentially also maybe live dates?
4: Well, I'm, I'm always going out in Canada. I get offers all the time to play up here. So, and yes, I do have a band and they are my live band. My live band played on my album. Okay. So... And, um, yeah, so my band consists of uh, John Cody, who actually is my husband. He's the drummer. Uh, yes. Dave Reimer is my bass player. Dave's played with, a, I don't know, everybody from Barney Bentall to Brian Adams and quite a few other notable Canadian acts. He's my bass player, and he's also the uh, background vocal voice that you hear along with myself on, on Fire and Gasoline. Uh, he's a great singer. And, uh, Sean Kelly is my guitarist and Sean for quite a few years played with Nelly Furtado as right. well. Um, yeah. he's an amazing player and Sean is also a writer and Sean co-wrote five of the songs on the album with me as well.
2: Cool. Yeah. I saw him like play in a uh, band called four by fate. I don't know if you know that, which is like um, Ace Frehley's X band or something, but Sean was playing with them for a while and great player.
4: He is. He is. Um, yeah. So he, yeah, I I met Sean when he was involved in the four by fate thing. So um, I'm not quite sure the circumstances as, as to why he's not playing in that band anymore. But uh, but I feel absolutely blessed to have him. Um, yeah. yeah so and so Sean is Sean is in my my live band as well.
2: Very cool. And when you go out and you play shows, you know your husband is the drummer in the band. So do the do the kids come with you?
4: Um, Once or twice they've come along with us. Um, For the most part, the kind of touring that I've done up until this point hasn't been like hit the road and like you're 20 and go out there for you know eight weeks at a time. Um, What I've done is have been doing consistently as pockets of shows. So, you know, we'll get a festival in, you know, for instance, you know, we did Sweden rock a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And, you know, we, you know, go over for a few nights at a time um, or I'll, <clears throat> yeah, I'll go out for four or five nights and, and come back, be home for a while, then go back out. So that's the, the nature of the touring, you know, um, a few years ago, I played with the the, the Wilson sisters with yeah, heart. Right. I opened up for them up here in Canada and Nancy Wilson and I had this whole conversation about, yeah, you know, when you're, your kids are this age, um, we call it being a weekend warrior where mm-hmm. you're playing all the time, but it's more like weekend warrior. you're doing two and three power shows at a time, coming back home, then going back out, then coming back home. And, you know, it's a way to make wake, make it workable. And, and still be able to be out there and for the fans as well and uh so far it's worked really well
2: we're going to get into some new music off of fire and gasoline right now this is again the new album by lee aaron available march 25th and this song is called tomboy lee thanks so much for joining us on talking metal
4: yeah that's awesome mark thanks so much okay. it was nice talking
0: to you take care
4: okay bye-bye Bye.
1: my car i'm like the hidden candy in your cookie jar i'm like the lightning tail of a shooting star
2: just heard was my interview with Lee Aaron recorded a few weeks back and that what you just heard right there that music was some brand new Lee Aaron music so a big thanks to Lee Aaron for joining us here on the podcast it's always great to speak with someone we've never had on before it's always great hanging with John Astronomy in Midtown Manhattan how are you dude we got to do a toast right
0: let's do a talking metal toast right here you're going to hear it I'm drinking some Buckler's non-alcoholic beer.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just
2: kidding. All right. Yeah, I'm drinking some Sam Adams uh, draft. Tastes good. I got a grilled cheese in front of me which I'm about to devour. And we are having a great time talking metal style. Please use those Amazon links, support us. Please go check out my friend's new EP. Damon Johnson plays with Thin Lizzy. Uh Brother Kane, uh, who else? Uh, Black Star Riders, of course. One of the best records of last year, Black Star Riders. He's such a talented guy. He's got a new EP out, which I urge you to check out. We're going to play some of it on a future podcast. But uh, in the meantime, go check it out. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes and all that good stuff. Support Talking Metal with a PayPal donation or use our Amazon links to make your purchases on Amazon. You guys know how that works. You go to our site first, TalkingMetal.com then click over to Amazon. Uh, Now, a friend of mine, Aaron, worked with this band in the studio, Eyes of One. We're going to end with one of their new tracks. Aaron is a a great guy. He plays in Frank Hannon's side band. Uh, Frank Hannon from Tesla has a side band called Frank Hannon Band. Aaron plays with with them. He's actually been on Talking Metal, Aaron. But anyways, he worked with these guys uh, behind the board in the studio. They're Eyes of One. And I think this song is just... Awesome! It's called Never Tried, and it is good stuff. Signing off from
0: Midtown Manhattan with John Astronomy. Catch John on tour with Ace, right? Yep, resuming in Pontevedra, Florida on April 1st, and another leg of the 2016 Origins World Tour.
2: Good stuff. I heard a... Uh uh, uh, Link or I heard some samples of the of the new uh, songs. They just sound great. The cover songs by Ace Paul, of course, singing on the one song. What song is that, John?
0: Paul sings on "Fire and Water," which is a great track by Free. I like.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Five does some great work on the record too.
0: Absolutely. And uh, guess what, Mark? I have a really cool thing to tell you. I did. A photo session with Ace where I was in one particular picture, but I'm kidding. I didn't do the photo session. I was there, but I I appeared in one photo. But guess who did appear in the photos? Slash. Breaking news. Wow.
2: Slash and Ace. Where is that going to appear? Do you know? Or can't you say?
0: That is going to be on the cover of a very popular magazine very soon. All right. Well, we'll look for that.
2: Thanks, John. And thanks, guys. This is Eyes of One with Never Tried. Go support these guys. We'll link their Facebook page and site through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com.
3: Breathing in Help see what you put me through It creeps through my skin